Welcome to the Hallisey and Horn podcast, hosted by Matt Hallisey and Al Horn. This is the only entrepreneurial podcast that helps you take the most important step to finally achieving financial and personal freedom. What is that step? Well, it's the very next step you need to take. It doesn't matter whether you've started a business but aren't profitable, or you've only just now thought about starting a business for the first time. You can design your new life in just a short period of time. We both started multiple profitable businesses, and we're here to help you move closer to your goal of living the life that you've been dreaming of. The crazy thing is you don't need to be especially talented, experienced, smart, or even lucky to make this happen. You just have to take the first step that's in front of you. So grab a drink and join us while we discuss our own journeys from working for other people as employees to living our dream lifestyle as business owners. We share our successes, our failures, and the simple formula we've discovered to go from starting from nothing to having our own profitable business in just a short period of time. We're here to help you move closer to your goal of living the life that you've been dreaming of, but we're always scared to go after. Welcome to the Hallisey and Horn Podcast. Well, listen, my friend, um, I thought we had a great show last time. I mean, yeah. I did 99% of the talking, but that's beside the point. Uh, I thought we is had that, a great Is that why you think we had a great show? No, I'm saying that's beside the point. <laughs> like you contributed 1%. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm expecting the reverse this time, but no, actually, I think this is a great subject. And I thought that last week was a great subject, which is money. How do you get it and get your business going? But this week is almost as important as money, and that's yeah. partnerships and uh, <laughs> the lack thereof, or the formation thereof, or the uh, the working of thereof. Uh, you know, part- partnerships are got to be right up there with money, man, because they're really important. Well, they do, and they lead into money. They're either how you make money or how you lose money really quickly. So I think as we talk about partnerships today, um, yeah, it was just, it was interesting. It was like when I first started my business, it was, you know, you're trying to figure out, are you going to do it by yourself? You're going to get somebody else involved. And then I was listening to uh, an entrepreneur on fire episode. Gosh, this is a long time ago. Mm. And he, uh, he was like, yeah, I love tall ships, tall ships, small ships, big ships. Fast ships, slow ships. I love all kinds of ships, except partnerships. Yeah. It's ironic because he's partner. He was, I don't know if they're married right now. I think they are, but he was oh. partners with his girlfriend at the time. So oh my. I'm not sure what she was thinking when he said that, but, um, <clears throat> but it's true. I, I think as a partnership, it can, it can either be, you can have a great business, have a great product and, you know, things can go really well. <clears throat> you know, mm-hmm. you look at Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak. There's no, it's not, no, my, uh, Bill Gates and Steve Wozniak, um, and Paul Allen, and they were, you know, really good partners. They were very effective. What? Huh? Did you have coffee this morning? Because Steve Wozniak and, and Steve Jobs. Yeah, that's what I, did I say? You said Bill Gates. I thought, oh, no, I, I, th- I thought I said Steve yeah. Jobs first. Well, you did it or, first, uh, then Gates. you changed it to Bill Gates. But, but no, Bill Gates and, and Steve Wozniak, it was, uh, you know, they were really good partners. One was a Are hardware you saying, guy. You just said that again. Did I say Steve Jobs? I did not. Have oh my, my God. 
Uh, are you on acid right. this morning, my right. friend? What is right, going on? I'm not starting with Wozniak, so I don't get the wrong guy. So Steve Jobs <laughs> and Steve Wozniak out of yes. the garage. It's called Apple, a little company called Apple. A little called Apple. Um, But they were the hardware guy. Uh, Wozniak was a hardware guy and Jobs was the software guy, the visionary guy. It was Mm. was similar if you ever watch that show, uh, Hall Catch Fire. I have. I I did see it. I I attempted to see it once a long time ago and it was nothing but it was Buffering City and I couldn't watch it. And then they put it on Netflix and I recently watched the whole thing, the entire thing. And it went on for like... Three seasons, four seasons? I don't remember. Five, five, right. And it wasn't one of those things where you get to watch one season and they want to charge you to watch the next one. So I watched the whole thing. I enjoyed 80% of it. And the reason that I didn't enjoy the other 20% because it was more along eh, relationship stuff, okay? And which leads me into... The next thing I want to say, but let's just say that uh, I really I really enjoyed it because I lived through that whole era in the computer business. Okay, I used the first XT piece of shit that it was. I use I before that I worked with Z80 processor CPM operating system microcomputers using multi DOS. Okay, so I lived it. Now, I didn't live it on that level, okay? Uh, but I saw everything that happened intimately. And uh, it, was, it was fascinating to see the show. And, and it brought back some memory memories. I call that walking down memory lane. Uh, when I start talking about that uh, computer, uh, computer stuff and uh, what I call uh, you know, a walk through the uh, Computer Museum of America. But anyway, America. But anyway, uh, I did like it. But about twenty percent of it was this relationship with the uh, remember Cap uh, Captain Eyebrows, his relationship with the, the 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 rogue, crazy girl programmer, and and are they going to have sex? Aren't they going to have sex? It, it was a little ridiculous. But you're right. Yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. You're right about the the partnership relationship thing. It it was very important because that's how shit got done. Yeah, and if you look in the beginning, they have it's it's actually, and I don't know that I ever thought about it before, but if you look at the the difference between the early partnership where you had Scoop McCreer, Scoot McNary, or whatever the actor's name is, yes, relationship with the guy who played Scoot, Scoot, Scoot. Um, I wonder if that's on his birth certificate. I was. It is, man. You know it is. Uh, well, his relationship with the guy that played Thanos in Guardians of the Galaxy—that's how I always think of him. Wow. But it, it was. It, well, he was. He was the guy that played yes. Thanos. So. I don't know um, anything about Guardians of whatever. Well, anyway, but it was. It was uh, as crazy as the relationship it was. It made sense because the. Yeah. You know, the guy who played Joe on that show, the visionary, he didn't want anything to do with hardware. He didn't know anything to do anything about hardware. He was a sales guy. Exactly. And, 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 and you know what? You know what? You, you said something earlier about Steve Jobs, right? And I just want to say this. Remember, I lived this. I lived and breathed this computer shit for 25 years, okay, from the very beginning. I always tell people, 
I don't always, but sometimes I tell people, I go, I got started the same year as Steve Jobs. Uh, he did a little bit better than me, but nevertheless, we both got started in the same year. But uh, I lived and breathed that stuff. And um, it's it, the point that you made about Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak is important because, and is important for a couple of reasons, okay? Number one, you know, Steve Wozniak, or the Woz, you know, he was the Woz. <laughs> anyway, he, he was the Woz. Now he's the rich Woz. But anyway, he was an engineer. He was the hardware guy, but he wasn't just the hardware guy. He was an engineer. He took this shit down to the circuit board level, okay? He did everything but design chips, Okay, he did not design chips. He had to use what was on the shelf. Okay, but he would solder the motherboards. He would develop the circuitry. He was the engineer. Now, I just want to say this, that Steve Jobs started as a sales guy who did yoga and meditate and ate granola, whatever. He was not a visionary, in my opinion, at the beginning. Okay. <laughs> As he evolved as a human and as the company evolved and the whole world evolved, he became a visionary, okay? And you can see how the relationship with him, Steve Jobs, and Steve Wozniak was strained, strained from the very beginning, okay? Because sales and engineering are always at Never loggerheads. Always Never at just like quality control and production. They're always at <laughs> loggerheads, whatever that means, okay? Their heads are at logger, all right? There's logger in their heads, okay? So here's the thing. Is it loggerheads or loggerheads? Like beer heads or like guys <laughs> that cut down tree heads? Or larger heads. I larger don't know, heads. man. What I'm saying is this, that part of the nature of the partnership the formation the nature the working of the partnership depends a lot on the environment and the tasks and responsibilities and functions of the individuals that are in that partnership okay if you have four cpas that are partner sitting around a table they're probably going to agree on a lot not you're going to agree on most everything oh yeah these numbers are bad those numbers are good this goes in the left column this goes in the fucking right column pardon my french <laughs> but anyway oh. my point is it oh, oh these stupid americans with their computers which in <laughs> france they called a pc they called ordinature personnel they called it an yep. op but anyway yep. i digress if you have four cpas all right all with 10 years experience sitting at a table in a partnership, they're going to agree on almost everything. Now, you take a company where <clears throat> you got one production control guy, one engineer, one quality control guy, and a sales dude, okay, who might call himself a visionary, but he's there for sales, sales and marketing. What are they going to freaking agree on? That we need to sell more, maybe that we need to have a better product, maybe that the product needs to go out the door without a hundred things wrong with it, maybe, you know. But the other guy has to do the job better, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the other guy, I got a little frog in my throat today. I'm drinking coffee like crazy, but I have may have to hit the mute button on this. But anyway, 
<clears throat> you're right. I mean, they're the the nature of what they do is antagonistic. So if they're going to form a partnership, it's going to be a little bit different. The dynamics of it, the nature of it, what they do and how they do it's going to be different right from the get-go. Like I said, four CPAs versus, you know, four guys with diametrically opposed functions, okay? Now, when you add, put, take that and put it into an entrepreneurial environment in a startup situation, holy crap, all right? Now, Here's the good news and the bad news. <clears throat> the good news is that because they're diametrically opposed, because they see, have different worldviews, because they have different functions, and because they, because they see things differently, they could be the best thing possible, okay, if they work together. The bad news is that it's very difficult because guess what? They're human beings. So feelings get hurt. Priorities get shifted. Some people want more money. Some people want more time. Some people want more resources, et cetera, et cetera, in the partnership, right? So <clears throat> let's just say that unless there's something going on there that is just amazing, okay? They're, they, they got the Vulcan mind meld going or something, all right? Chances are it's not gonna, it's gonna fall apart. And look how many times, if you want to go, since you mentioned Steve Wozniak and Steve Jobs, <clears throat> how many times did those guys, how many fights did those guys have? How many times did the that app was Apple not gonna go out the door and be sold because Steve Wozniak wanted to fidget with one digit somewhere on a CPU board because it wasn't being loaded into upper memory properly on the in the CPU processor of the 8K that was available, right? And, 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 and Steve Jobs is going, dude, this is, we're on fire. Talk about halt and catch on fire. We're on sales catch on fire. We need to get these, these, these chingaderas out the door, you know? And just like, bam, 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 you know, heads bouncing. And Steve, I've got more power than you. And Steve Wozniak says, well, you don't even have a freaking machine unless I finish this, you know? And then you look as time evolved, okay? And you see Steve Wozniak, uh, you know, kind of just going farther and farther into the background because as, as the machine became more and more of a commodity, it was 99% about sales, okay? Once they figured out a, a way to, to make the thing work, then it was a whole different story, okay? Then it was like, well, what's the next one going to be like? What's the next generation? And Back in those days, it was, you know, it was IBM PC became king because IBM with their shitty ass operating system, you know, that was stolen by Bill Gates for, and I say stolen, not legally stolen, but financially stolen. Okay. Pretty much, <clears throat> pretty much stolen and licensed to IBM because they were so stupid they, they 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 couldn't figure out how to write their own or they didn't want to or they didn't think the PC, PC was going to work anyway they were into AS400 they were into their big mini machines and mainframes that's all they cared about this was a rogue outfit this whole PC thing i think the guy who well, they didn't even try to do PCs i mean you're right they no, all they were just doing mainframes no, they, they didn't believe that i remember back in the day there was a famous quote and they're like I forget the, exactly what the quote was, but it was, 
nobody's ever going to, who would ever want to have a, a computer in their house? And exactly. the idea was like, what, are you going to have a mainframe in your garage? <laughs> like they didn't even believe that was possible. And as stupid as IBM is, you wonder why they don't exist anymore. Uh, two reasons. What? One, that's, well, I mean, for they exist, but come on, like they're not really relevant. What? When, when is the last time you went to a computer store and said, I want the IBM? No, no, they're not, they're not relevant in the PC arena. That's what course. I'm saying. That's what but I'm they're saying. still a relevant company and they've had to well, pivot and shift and they still well, make billions. And I don't had know how, but they shift make billions. One, because Bill, Bill Gates screwed him out in the first time, what, 82, 83? But then secondly, if he came back for seconds in 95, when he, he or he came back in seconds, not for IBM, but for Apple in 95, because he ended up stealing Windows 95 was basically the Macintosh operating system. Well, it w yeah, a clone of it. It was a it was it, looked, it was a total clone. Feel, of it. But, but listen, the Apple. And then stole they went down the toilet, and then he get and then he bought Apple uh, like what ten percent share in Apple when it was like at its lowest. Yeah. I mean, this guy's a turd. Anybody that looks at Bill Gates and says this guy is a guy that you need to listen to or emulate or whatever, this guy is one of the top ten turds in the world. Jeff Bezos is always going to be number one. Oh, come he's on. The, oh, come on. But he's in the top come five. On. Probably in the top five or top ten. Matt, turds. Go easy. Go easy, Matt. They're turds. <laughs> go easy on these Hey, guys. I'm not even pardoning my friends. They're turds. <laughs> they are turds. It's uh, called merde. Merde <laughs> they, they are the poop <laughs> that sits on the bottom of your shoe. <laughs> that you you scrape off and then somebody yes. else st steps on it and he scrapes it off <laughs> <laughs> and then it's then it squirts and hits somebody else in the face and oh my hits. god anyway but yeah but let me just but, let me just say that, let me then the just other kind thing, of put a ball around it say, let me just yeah put a the ball thing around that it. made him irrelevant the thing that i just couldn't believe they ever did was when everybody's trying to develop track pads right they're sitting here going, why don't we just stick a red dot in the middle of the keyboard? Oh, like, I just my never God. That, that was that red dot thing was just and, and to this day, it lives on as Lenovo. Because nobody in that behemoth has the guts to say, well, no, no, maybe we want to get rid they of that. They sold dot. they sold their in IBM, which I used to call international <laughs> baloney manufacturers or I've been manipulated. Remember, I lived it. Yeah. OK, they sold everything lock freaking stock and barrel of their pc division everything every nut bolt anything that that wasn't screwed down they sold to to lenovo a giant chinese conglomerate okay and the what are the chinese going to do hey all their machines have this red dot on the in the middle. I, I could just, just keep the red dot. You know, I don't know. What do we know? We're 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 from China. You know, your your computer suck. <laughs> <laughs> your Why? computer suck. Why you did they both, buy? Why, why did they you buy? have both in computer? Why you have none and both in computer? <laughs> so anyway, man, you should hide Wozniak. Hi, yeah. Wozniak. We're having fun this morning. We're having fun, but and 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 anybody that listens to this podcast, if there's anybody listening to this podcast anymore, anymore after this, <laughs> they know that Matt and I like to talk, and and this is a conversation we're having. This is not a freaking webinar, okay? You're not necessarily going to listen to this, you know, and go like, oh, step one, two, three, four, A, B, C. No, this is a conversation between Matt and me where we share ideas, 
Well, we talk about agenda. our experiences. We talk about history. We have our opinions. Most of the time, we're on the same page, okay? Absolutely. But there are times when we we, have, we differ. Our opinions differ. But we like to have fun with this podcast. We don't just, you know, read a script. This is unscripted, my friends. We have an outline. We're, we're not fools, okay? But this is unscripted. We like to have fun with this. So, you know, we're not trying to bore you to tears here, you know, this isn't Harvard. This isn't a Harvard case study, okay? So let me just wrap, put a bow around the Steve Wozniak, Steve Jobs things when it comes to partnerships, okay? So remember when Scully, I think his name was Scully. He used to be, he was the, he was the uh, CEO of Pepsi and they brought him into Apple to write yes. the ship, to take them into the next generation. <laughs> The bad hire, as they call it in Apple to this day. <laughs> and talk about partnerships. He he and the board of directors ended up firing Steve Jobs from the company, firing him from the company because he had, at that time he was a vision. He had a vision and he was a visionary. And all, I think his name was Scully, honestly. Who gives a crap about him anymore? He, you know, but he brought, he brought him in and said, hey man, do you want to sell you know, caramel colored sugar water, or you want to make a difference in the world? And he said, how much does it pay? <laughs> Do I get stock options? He wasn't a visionary. He was selling Coca-Cola. I mean, not even Coca-Cola, Pepsi. All right. Not even the real thing, an imitation of the real thing of caramel colored sugar water. The second, the second place player in that market the entire time. <laughs> Yeah, but still making billions and billions, okay? Why? I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. But anyway, my point is this. <clears throat> Talk about a partnership. He ended up firing Jobs from the company, Jobs. Jobs was in the worst. I mean, Apple at one point was absolutely. By the way, the, the guy's worst. name is, the guy's name was. was uh, Scully. Wasn't it Scully? John Scully. Yeah, John, right, John, big John. Anyway, here's my point. Partnership with Steve Jobs, rocky, difficult, okay? Yes, it produced something, a seed that grew, okay, that became, well, over time, you know, I, I, just absolutely incredible, fantastic product, loyal, loyal uh, customers, and eventually grew into consumer company that is now probably the most valuable company in the, the world but my point is yeah. it really is and it actually produces something unlike amazon so or facebook or facebook or twitter or google <laughs> google i don't know google has some good stuff you can, you can make an I, argument i like about google that. i like google but anyway so my point is that it's all about partnerships all about partnerships now <clears throat> one could say that it's all about relationships okay but it's also about relationships where they go okay where they how they evolve okay and if they evolve in a certain way then they can become partnerships I'm not talking about relationships like, hi, how you doing? I'm talking relationships like sign here. I'm giving you a freaking wedding ring, right? To your partner or whatever. You've done that. I haven't. Okay. You've given somebody a wedding ring and said, we're going to be partners for life. Your wife. More than once. More than once. Oh, 
Okay, let's put a pin in that. We'll come back to it. <laughs> yeah. You know what the, uh, I More have a client, twice. I have a client that says she's really upset because the press secretary for Biden is always saying whenever she's asked the question, instead of just saying bullshit or saying I'll something, back. I'll circle back. back. I'll circle back for that. And it drives her crazy. But I think it's a good answer personally. Okay. It means that if I don't know, I'm not yeah. going to sit here and BS you. See, I think I'm going to tell you what they told me that's a total lie. I think it's a good answer as long as you don't use it 35 times in the same <laughs> press conference. Yes. So, what's, uh, what's Biden's tax policy? I'll circle back. You shouldn't you know that? Okay. What's your dog's <laughs> name? I'll circle back. What's your middle so, name? I'll circle back. It's like, now it, right. So what they should do is hire us as consultants, okay? And we'll go in there and we'll straighten that shit out. Now, let me tell you what I would suggest. She have 10 phrases. Circle back will be her go-to, right? Then let's stick a pin in that, come back to it, okay? And we'll come up, we'll come up with seven more for them. Next question. You know? That's always good. That's always respectful. I'm sorry, I can't hear you. I can't. <laughs> I can't hear you over that BS question that was just asked. <laughs> Uh, or how about this one? Are you serious? Are you serious? You know, we could come up with 10 of them and we wouldn't charge more than 10,000 a question. Okay. How about this? It, don't you know who I am? That always works very well. <laughs> I don't know, man. We, oh, maybe that one of the, don't 10, you know who that, my father is? That's, that's the only not one the go-to. That's not the go-to. All right. But you're going to have three or four that are the go-to and then a couple in reserve. Yeah. You got a couple she pulls out of the quiver just in case. Yeah, you gotta, you know, it's like it's like the boxer who can just throw a jab. Like if you if you can't throw anything else, then as 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 Biden said, you're a one horse, you're a one horse pony. What? Yeah, he said that. A one horse pony? Pony. <laughs> I have no idea what that means. But you know what? It sounds like a politician. Remember, it people, sounds like a guy people, who has dementia. people. People, whether you're listening to this podcast or, or whether you're not listening to this podcast, you should understand one thing about Biden, about Trump, about Pelosi, and we're going to leave this subject soon, okay? They're politicians. Hello? They're not brain no, surgeons. They're, they're not computer scientists. <laughs> Paul Lytician. Lytician. Yeah. <laughs> they're professional yeah. liars. If you <laughs> they're the one... Them, they're the ones that all the time, all they do, they're really good at getting lie detector tests to just spark. Just spark and set, talk about halt and catch fire. Catch fire. Yeah, that's talk about halt. Yeah, that's what the, that's what the lie detection detector machine does when they start talking. It's a politician. Yeah, it's a politician. Polygraph. Detector machine. I know what it's a polygraph for yeah. politicians that yeah. catch on fire. It's, no, yeah, it's because how do you it's how do you know if somebody's a politician? Because the thing starts going off like a size hey you know here's a test ask a politician what their favorite color is if they say plaid you know you know you're talking to a politician and not a real human say, being and if they say i'll circle back on that then you know you got the second let me circle back on my favorite color now uh we need they to... should have said that in the monty python by the way oh what is your favorite color well can we circle back on that <laughs> Well, listen, 
they they can circle back and circle around and circle down the drain as far as I'm concerned. I don't care because I'm not a political care. animal, and unless it affects so, me personally, I don't give so a let's shit. Get back, of course let's it get does. back to let's get back to partnerships. So. Absolutely. So here's what I'm saying. I'm saying that in a way, you're partnering with many many things in your life. You just aren't really aware of it, but that's it's not. It, it turns from relationship to partnership when it becomes cast in stone, okay, in my opinion. It, when it becomes real. Now, I have a relationship with my bed, okay, and I just bought a three-inch memory phone topper, memory phone oh, topper. Say fantastic. that three times fast, memory phone topper. And I'm just beginning to... I just use it for the first time last night. So my the relationship with my bed is changing, okay? And that's okay. It's not a partnership. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's not, a, even what we have doing here, doing this podcast is a relationship. It's not really a partnership. So Matt, I would like you to address what I consider the fundamental uh, aspect of the of the topic today, partnerships, is when does a relationship become a partnership? Now, I know the relationship with your wife. I know when it became a partnership, right? Or 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 would you say when you gave her the ring, when you signed the contract, when you said I do, when you went what when 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 does a relationship become a partnership, Matt? Well, I'm pretty sure there wasn't a contract, so. I... <laughs> Oh, all like, marriage. Marriage is a contract, my friend. We, it's a compact. We'll a, let me let me circle around to that later. <laughs> okay. Um. What is it? What is it? It's called not a contract. It's a. Uh, uh, what is it? It's. Gosh, I'm totally dropping all the right. word. It's not a contract. When do you think, Matt, that a relationship becomes a partnership? Well, when you have official response, like responsibilities to somebody. So whether it's money or time. I mean, typically it's money. So like, if you're sitting here, if we're, if, if we're doing a, if we're just sitting here in, I'll give you an example. So I was watching this documentary on the video game industry over the weekend. Mm. And they had the guys that made the, the, that video game Doom. You know, it was mm -hmm. really the first major first person shooter. They also did Castle Wolfenstein, if you remember back in the day. I do. Yeah, that was the first first person shooter. Um, but these guys were just farting around and they weren't really trying to do anything. They didn't have a business they were trying to run. They didn't have really products they were trying to sell. <clears throat> but there were two guys. One was the guy who was the, um, like the storyboard game designer guy. And the other guy mm -hmm. was the hardware guy that would program everything in. And when they were doing it, they were just trying to create games that they would like, and they'd pass it along. You know, they they would have an email list. I mean, I don't, no, it was even a mailing list. I don't even think it was an email list. And they would mail people, you know, a game every so often. But it really wasn't a business. They didn't really care that much. Right. But then when they they really started to get serious because they both had jobs and they realized, man, we could do this like as a company. They started their own company, mm -hmm. which if you ever want to Google, it's called ID Software, and then they had responsibilities. So it's like, all right, we're going to have a game. We need to have this out by this time. And they were crazy. They, they, would, they actually would put out press releases and said, for Doom, they're like, the game's going to be out by the end of the year. Well, they didn't even write the game. They didn't have it storyboarded. They had a name for it. That was it. And they had a concept. That was it. Um, and they're like, oh, I guess we got to get the game out. 
And so now that they have responsibilities, I have to do X, you have to do Y, I can't do all mine if you don't do yours. And you have fiduciary responsibilities um, and really money's in the background too. It's, I think that's where it's a partnership. It's, you know, mm. it's like, how can you <laughs> screw somebody when there's, you know, in law, there's a concept called promissory estoppel, meaning it's like, Oh my God, I know that concept. You do. I know that, I know that phrase, promissory I mean, estoppel. Yeah. So you don't have to, when you, you can enter into a contract with somebody without giving anybody money, mm-hmm. if they depend on your actions and you yes. just, you know, fall on your face and you can sue them for it. It's a breach of contract, but you don't have to have any money. Well, they say, I mean, it, it, law is weird. And I know you're one of these days, you're going to be an attorney, Matt. I know that, but the, uh, in law, okay, you have something like there is no con- there is no contract without consideration. Consideration, and then you have this whole thing coming out of left field called promissory estoppel. Yep. Go figure. All right. I'll leave the yeah, lawyer- so, I'll leave it to the lawyers to figure that one out. Yeah, but the the idea is that like it's you don't really have an official like official relationship until you depend on each other for something. Okay. So, you know, and, and it could be money, it could be time, it could be a finished product, it could be mm. really anything. Mm. Um, but I think that's where it's at. I mean, that's the difference between kind of like something that's a hobby and a business. You know, if you have somebody yeah. that, if you're sitting here and you're an artist and you're listening to this and it's like, you make amazing art, but you just do it for yourself. You do it for your friends, family, you pass it out. You don't really care. Mm. You know, that's one thing that you don't really have a business until you start selling it. And you, you know, you actually have customers and you have a delivery channel, mm. um, you, have, you know, revenues and expenses and all that kind of stuff. So I think it's just the official, the official nature of it. But, um, but I think partnerships are really important. It's, you know, it's, you look at, I was telling you the guys that created Doom, it was one of the guys, you know, he was the storyboard guy and he could write the story and write the video game and make sure that it all fit together. And the other guy was the, the hardware guy mm-hmm. and the programmer. And he's you know, <clears throat> stuck in C plus and Fortran and, you know, HTML <laughs> <Fortran>. later. <laughs> I, pro- I, I actually wrote, uh, so I wrote programs in Fortran and COBOL, COBOL back in the C++. day. Well, I never really got into C plus plus. At that point, I decided I didn't want to be a coder or a programmer. I went down a different path. Okay, but that's that's kind of what it was with these guys is each of the guys, they wanted nothing to do with the other guy's skill set. Right. And I think if you're going to go into a partnership, you have to understand that, like, to your point, if you have four accountants and they said, hey, why don't we open up an accounting business? (laughs) Well, that could work, (laughs) but you better have some complementary skill sets or interests. So one one guy might be the tax CPA. One guy might be. auditing commercial cpo one guy might be the auditor you know but but somebody has to have a skill set for marketing somebody has to have a skill set for management no but you have to like it doesn't mean you have to do but somebody has to do that if you have four people and and all of them go well i don't want to manage this company you manage (laughs) well good luck with that that's not gonna that's gonna be a problem right well i i I hear i hear what you're saying matt but and, and it's all, all makes sense and it's all valid, but in my mind, I am thinking in a scenario, okay, when did Steve and Steve, 
Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak go from a relationship to a partnership. And it involves some of the things that you said, okay, which is they became dependent on each other. They were in a company with each other. They had financial, uh, financial and other obligations to each other. But look, you can have all those things and be in a relationship, but not a partnership, okay? Well, once they, owe, once they owed that first batch of computers to that- No, that I don't think, I don't agree, thing. Matt. I don't agree. I think they're still in a relationship. They become partners, real partners, when it's on paper and there's a contract, okay? Then they have fiduciary, legal, and other other responsibilities, of course, that all comes with it. But those things are, are are constantly evolving and constantly being redefined. You do this, I do that. No, no, no. You do this, no, no. I do that. Do this now. Now you're responsible. Now I'm responsible. All those things yeah, I evolve. Think, I think there's something to that. I would say that, like, if you look at Facebook and you look early on when Zuckerberg and and um, Saverin and Moskowitz, you know, were kind of doing their thing in the dorm room. I guess the question is you have to ask is what would happen if you unwound it at a certain period of time? Mm -hmm. So, you know, if they have a thousand users on Harvard's campus and they decide to unwind it, all right, it's not a big deal, right? So it's probably not a partnership at that point, even though they didn't monetize it, it was a different business model. But maybe once they all of a sudden, once they quit school. Mm, still no, full -time, I still don't agree. Let me give you an example, Matt. Well, Let me give you an I, example. I would say at the very least, at the latest, at the latest, would we when when they got their first round of funding, mm -hmm. when Peter Thiel stepped in and gave him a half million dollars. Yes, that but, that but is why did that happened, Matt? Because a partnership was formed, not a relationship, but a partnership was formed and codified, and written, and became contractual. Let me give you an example. If I talk to I. I I had I have four rental properties, okay? And then I have my home, okay? But when I talk to a real estate agent and say, hey, how are you? Oh, I'm good, how are you? Good. Well, I'm thinking of uh, buying a house, really. Oh, I help people buy houses. You do? Yeah, uh, here's my card. Okay, here's my card. Uh, okay, or here's my number, call me. I'm thinking of buying a, 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 a a ranch style home in Cucamonga. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I can help you in Cucamonga, even though I'm from, you know, I mostly help people in Seattle, but I can help you in Cucamonga. I'm a real estate agent. Oh, okay. That's a relationship. Okay. Sketchy at best, but it's a relationship. Now, when he says, here are the documents I need you to sign digitally or otherwise, where I have, you cannot buy a house or do anything without doing it through me, okay? I am now your legal representative, okay? You cannot sell a house, you cannot buy a house, you cannot invest in a house, you can't do anything unless you do it through me for this period of time. And I've had real estate agents say, oh, I'm gonna sell your house for you. And I go, well, what if you don't sell it? Well, if you don't sell it after a period of time, we dissolve our partnership. And I go, okay, how long is that? A year. I said, no, you got 90 days to sell this turkey, okay? And if you don't sell in 90 days, our partnership is automatically dissolved, okay? So 
I'm saying this. I think, in my I think opinion, if it's in writing, that's one thing. But I, I'd say there, there's also going to be partnerships where it's not in writing. Now, we're going to get into that in a little bit. And now, mm. that's like one of the stupidest things you can do. Yeah, I don't you call it have, a partnership. I call it a pretend partnership. Well, but you can have, you can have you can. verbal partnerships. So we'll totally. go back to, we'll go back to Zuckerberg and Moskowitz and, <laughs> and Saverin, right? The guy invested, what is it, 17, 18 or 19 grand Mm. as capital for servers hmm. and for other things mm-hmm. at that point there's an argument to be made that that's a partnership because that guy shelled out you know basically 20 grand there is business. an argument to be made matt but i'm saying it's a bad argument it's not a good argument so. if i if you're if you go, to, if we go to lunch and... if we go to lunch and i say oh i'm picking this up matt you know 15 bucks right we go to the deli grab a sandwich oh i'm picking this up matt and I pay for your lunch. That's not a partnership, my friend. That's just a relationship where I've decided to spend $7 for your sandwich. Right. And, and that's not a partnership. Correct. Because it's unilateral in nature. But if you go to a point and you say, why did the person give me that, you know, 20 grand? <laughs> and it's like, all right, well, we talked about opening a business. I have a title. He has a title. Everybody knows what my title is. Everybody knows what his title is. Everybody knows what my share of the business is. Mm-hmm. And you go to court, you're going to lose because they're going to consider uh, that a business because it's a well, verbal contract. Yeah. Okay. But if it's but if all of a sudden the guy says, let's say for example, history just kind of went the other way, and the Winklevi, which I think is one of my favorite Winklevoss of all. But no, but they're plural in the movie. Oh, used oh Winklevi. Yes, you're right. And they're twins, right? right. And they're twins. And they're the main guys um, between, uh, was it Ripple or Ethereum, the crisp, cryptocurrency. Mm. Um, but anyway, if it came by and one of those guys said, hey, we really like what you're doing. We're just going to hand you 20 grand. And there's no nothing behind it. They're fans. It's a, right. it's a, it's a GoFundMe. So it's but there's not still a, a relationship. There's a relationship. But if they said, okay, you know, listen, if we give you 20 grand, uh, my brother and me want to be VPs of the company, and they said, "Sure, no problem." <clears throat> well, it's not a it's not a partner. It's not it, it's a it's a business at that point. It's not a relationship. It's a partnership because there's there's a there's an exchange being made. Mm. But if there's not an exchange being made, if you just say, "Hey, I'm going to pick up your lunch," then yeah, there's nothing to that. If you said, "Hey, I want to," you know, I really love that business you're doing. Like the guy started Uber, right? Travis Kalanick. Yeah. Um, very douchebag, not not a scumbag. Easy, man, easy. <laughs> so if if, some, if if somebody came up and said, "Hey, we really love your business. We want to drop five mil on it, and just we yeah. just love it. We just want you to help it." Sure, the Sultan of Brunei, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Pocket there, there, change. There's no business. I, I, there's no argument. I don't think there's any argument to be made. But once all of a sudden you you frame it into like a verbal contract, then all of a sudden it's a little bit different, but okay. let's, let's move on. Let's move on a little bit. We've, we've let's, hit on this topic for a while. That. Yeah. So let's, you know, when you talk about choosing the right partner, what are, what are some of the things in your experience that you've seen where um, some traits or maybe, you know, kind of a quick story or whatever it is on, on, mm. on what you went through where you ch- either chose oh, a really God. good partner or even better yet, <laughs> I think the only better than a good example is a cautionary tale oh god is an example of somebody that just didn't work out and so while you're thinking about that i just i'll go into (laughs) you know you look at examples of people that had a business relationship they weren't partnerships but i always just love this one anyway 
you look at Billy Joel and he, he left all of his money, let somebody run all of his money. And he got taken to the cleaners. One of my friends, Alex, um, he runs a solar company here in San Diego. And his prior company that he had, his partner embezzled like a ridiculous amount of money out of the business. Mm. I mean, it basically sunk the business. And I'm sure the guy from, uh, you know, from a functional standpoint, was a really good partner, probably knew what he was doing. Um, in a lot of respects, they probably worked together. But in the end, the guy literally stole I mean, literally ripped the guts out of the business and, and then basically sued him of all things. And, and my friend, Alex is like, I just, I don't want you in my life. So I'll just, I'll just look, let's settle the lawsuit. I'll give you a little bit of money and just go and just leave. But it was an example where the business was fine. The product was fine. Everything else was fine, but he chose the wrong partner. And had he gone it alone or chose a different partner, they probably would still be running that business. And so it really affected him on his next business. So when he opened up this solar business, because um, his other business wasn't a solar company, well, he, he, what he did was he opened it, ran it himself. And then as his son, who uh, is a friend of mine as well, graduated from school, I mean, it was the whole thing of like, hey, graduate school, get a business degree. And then I want you to help run my company. And so his son is now his COO mm. and they have a, a succession plan in place because he wants to retire. So, you know, when you look at that, it's like, that's an example of something where you choose the wrong partner and it just can kill an otherwise successful, you know, lucrative business. Yeah. And then when you actually start to choose the right partner, you know, you might have the same results, but you don't have this deep six of your business going down. So right. like, like, what's your kind of thought on that? All right. Well, let me say right off the bat, okay, all partnerships will fail or will dissolve eventually. All of them will. All of them. When you said, I do till death do us part to your wife, that was a, 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 a lifetime commitment. However, when you consider that more than half of all marriages fail and, are the, and then the contract has to be dissolved legally, okay, the, it's a perfect example, okay? So, and none of us are immortal. So it's not like I'm marrying, we're both immortal getting married. And we're like, <laughs> till infinity, yes, we won't But part. if you pick the wrong woman, it will feel like you're immortal. Oh, completely. Yeah, every day will feel like an eternity, but, and you know why they call them housekeepers, right? Because they get to keep the house. Yeah. And you know why divorces are so expensive, Matt? Why is that? Because they're worth it, okay? <laughs> now, <laughs> do you know why they call, do you know why you call your wife the better half? No. Because that's what she, that's what she keeps. <laughs> 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 good one good one all right so here's my here's what i'm saying about partnerships they will dissolve so either they're going to dissolve amicably which they usually don't or they're going to dissolve based on legal ramp the legal contract that has been put together subject to uh, uh, legal uh, interpretation subject to a judge, subject to the gavel falling, bam, and then it's done. And <clears throat> if you think that you're going to be in a partnership with somebody that has been legally codified, okay, 
and here in America, not in the and not in Great Britain or Martin. Botswana, but here. Okay, so you got to go by the legal uh, ramifications and constraints of, of American ju jurisprudence. Okay, and contract law. If you think that that is going to dissolve amicably, you're crazy. Number one, and number two, um, it will dissolve and it'll be subject to lawyers fighting it out in a in a court of law. And you may come out okay, or you may come out totally up shit's creek without a paddle, and 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 and, and caught in a whirlpool of shit. So that can happen. I can see it happen to your friend, and at some point, you can unravel it and just walk away. But you walk away with nothing, okay? So here's my point: is yes, the most important thing is to pick a partner with complementary uh, uh, attributes, resources, et cetera, et cetera, and have, a contract, and have a contract that specifies in incredibly legal detail exactly what's going to happen when you separate, because you will, you will separate, okay? Now, the best way to have that uh, partnership is within a, a, a type C corporation with stock, stock and with equity and with the definition of stock and with definition of money and definition of all that. And most people, especially in the startup situation, do not do that. It's usually a handshake and a smile. Okay. And either I pay for the lunch or you pay for the lunch, but it's a handshake and a smile or we split the cost of the lunch. And then you go and then you move on. But listen, it's tough. I, we don't have much. We've already been chit-chatting for almost an hour now. And all we can't, all we've really come up with at this point, other than some pleasant conversation is that partnerships are important. Choosing the right partner is important. There's lots of pros and cons. And you better have the right formation structure or you're, screwed okay um and you better have an exit strategy or your guess what screwed and your company's screwed so yeah and i think we're gonna we're definitely gonna hit on those two points um you know to kind of wrap up what we're talking about today but mm -hmm. i'd say you know first of all i think you mentioned some good things if you're going to choose the right partner you want to make sure that the person has they don't want to really necessarily be an opposite skill set but they want to be a skill set that's complementary but on top of that, I would say it's more exclusionary as well. So you take the guys at ID Software, and if you guys ever want to Google them, it's they, they look, they're like, these guys look like they have nothing in common. One's like this goth heavy metal rocker, and the other guy looks like his accountant. Like, <laughs> uh, but they, they just didn't want anything to do with each other. I mean, literally, when they started working together, they're like, good, because I don't want to do that. And they both yeah. said that, like, I'm glad yeah. you want to do it, because I don't want to do that. Yeah. You know, you look at um, Steve, Steve Jobs. I was going to say Steve Forbes. I'm all, all with Steve's. Steve you're you're Jobs crazy and with the Steve's this morning. Steve's. Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak, they didn't want anything to do with each other. Like, like they weren't going to intrude on each other's um, positions. You look at Facebook and, and all the people there is like, okay, Zuckerberg well, and, let me, let me, and let me, Moskowitz let me just, were both let, programmers, but they didn't right. have a similar skill set. Let me just interject real quick with Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak, okay? Remember that Steve Jobs was a salesman. 
okay? And he sold Steve Wozniak on the idea that they could make money and build a computer. And Steve Wozniak, okay, who stole a lot of shit from the company that he was working for at the time as an engineer, said, hey, I can get this stuff, you know, basically free and we can put this, I think I can build this thing. And, and so he sold Steve Jobs on the idea that he could build it and that they didn't have any money. They didn't have any resources. They had nothing. Okay. They got, a, you know, maybe like, I think they got $10,000 or something to get the company going from a friend of a friend. Okay. We covered that last episode. Yep. So here's what I'm saying is somebody's selling somebody on something. Okay. Steve's job sold Steve Wozniak on the idea that they could make some money with this thing that it, they, they could sell it. And, and, and was the was sold jobs on the idea that he could build it. And that was the beginning of the partnership. And that was the beginning of the relationship and the partnership. Okay. Yes. They had complementary uh, uh, abilities in that sense. Okay. Two salesmen couldn't, couldn't have created Apple and two engineers could not have created Apple. Okay. So that's what you want to, I mean, there's the, the dynamics of partnerships is so crazy and intense and so complicated. Sometimes you just have to go with your gut and sometimes it's just fortuitous synchronicity. Okay. Apple could have gone off the, off the tracks into the ditch or off the road into the ditch at any time any time, but they were riding a tsunami of change in the world. And chip development, the culture, uh, uh, the dynamics of what people want or need. This was a hobby thing at the beginning. You got a kit in a box, you put it together yourself, come on. It was for hobbyists, nerds, geeks, all right? Engineers are the only people that had and then somebody wrote a program called VisiCalc, okay? It was the killer app, all right? But first, Apple was just, you program it in basic, you program it yourself, okay? So my point is this, if you're gonna start, be in a partner, be a partner with somebody that goes beyond relationship, it goes to obligation, it goes to responsibility, it goes to, uh, legal definition, it goes to becomes a contract and it becomes an ongoing entity, whether you call it a business or whatever the hell you want to call it. Okay. If you're going to do that, don't do what I did. So <laughs> I ended up in a relationship with a megalomaniac who was uh, had absolutely no ethics and no morals. And but could fake it really, really well, okay? And what do you call somebody that, um, I can't think of the name right now. It's the name for somebody who has absolutely no remorse. And uh, we're not playing words with friends here, but uh, somebody who has no remorse, somebody who- Psychopath. That's it. You win. You win. No, don't. <laughs> easy, Matt. Easy. He might become want to become a sponsor one day. Go easy on Bezos. No, okay? no, we're gonna turn that one down. We're gonna All be on. Right. We're gonna be on. We're gonna be there for. We're, we're gonna, gonna be have to do an guys. episode where we're gonna have to do we'll an episode where you just pick people and we just run them into the ground. 
Well, we, you know, we'll be turning them down. We get a lot of press for that. I hear you. Okay. So anyway, my point is but this. Yeah, he psychopath. was a psychopath. He was a psychopath. He had issues, problems. And we were both salesman types. We both had technical knowledge and we created a computer company that was, uh, 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 that did incredibly well uh, for about three years. And uh, I, I was owed approximately, this was back in the eighties. Okay. I was owed by the company, the corporation, uh, approximately almost $400,000. And uh, one day I woke up one day. That was a lot of money back in those days. And I worked for nothing for peanuts. Okay. Well, all this money was going back into the company. And um, one day I came into the office. All the computers were gone. Uh, uh, Most of the furniture, some of the furniture was gone, but all the computers were gone. Anything that was important was gone. It was an empty room and that's when my uh my partner had decided that he would take the software we developed take the business essentially the the entire business and disappear (laughs) with everything i literally did not have money to pay the rent where i was living i had nothing okay i was left with nothing and I was left with bills and invoices and owing money. And that was the most difficult experience of my life. And he absconded with the company by using the help of my best friend at the time, who we had put in charge of the telemarketing room. And our main product was well, a software package that we had developed, software program that we had developed for PCs for lawyers called TimeWise. And what it did was it was a fast track calendaring system because uh, some legal requirements had been put into place for attorneys at the time where they had to do everything a certain way in order to uh, actually, uh, you know, appear before the judge before and so forth and so on. And all these rules and, and, and stuff came into place. And so we, his parents were both attorneys and he, he actually developed the software, but so I'll give him credit for that. I think it was written in DBase too. That's another story. But anyway, I used to program in that. Did you? Oh my mm-hmm. God, DBase two, and then remember three plus. Yeah. Anyway, bottom line is, after three years of hard work and multiple sales, and we also so uh, sold uh, complete turnkey systems for escrow companies. Uh, so we had vertical markets that we were we we're going after, and so these systems systems in those days with with simple networking were selling for 60 to 80 to 150,000 a pop okay and it was the worst experience of my life and i ended up getting audited by the irs as a result of it i ended up ha- having no money i ended up having but then what i found out when he left and absconded i think he moved to, he went to canada or someplace never heard from him again not a word, not a peep, not a text, not a nothing, okay? Uh, after that happened, about a week later, I got a call from one of our, our clients and said, hey, where's Brian? We, we need, we've got some stuff going on here with the network and this and that and then the computers and the da-da-da-da and we can't get hold of him. I said, well, you got hold of me. I'll be in there in about an hour to help you. 
and I started over from scratch, literally nothing. Okay. This was 1987. And I promised myself two things. One is I promised myself that, wow, I can't even believe I'm saying this on a podcast, but I promised myself that number one, I would never have a legal partner again. (laughs) And number two, well, I promised myself that if I ever caught him, I would probably, you know, beat the crap out of him. But that never happened, okay? And that was just anger, but I got over it. Um, took me a long time, but I got over it. And number two, that I would survive, that I would take whatever I had left, which was a few clients and my know-how and my determination, and I would build my own company. And I did. And I did that from... Like I said, when the partnership dissolved, officially dissolved, because he left, uh, disappeared. Um, That was approximately 1987, 88. Until until a little after 2000. And and then a little bit after 2000, I decided I didn't want to be in IT and computers anymore. And I went off in a different, I went down a different path. But I'd made enough money with my own business that I could afford and had the option to do that. So that was good. But man, oh man, oh man, was that tough. I thought, and and let me tell you, it's a tough emotionally, financially, physically, and every other way that you can think of, okay? It's worse, it was like, it was worse than a divorce from a woman, okay? Because it involved everything that I was working for, everything that I had been working for, and everything I thought was going to happen in the business. I, and, and that was it, man. It was a worst case scenario, absolute worst case scenario. Have you ever experienced anything like that, Matt? Um, not in business. I, I really have never really had a partner. Um, yes, because you're a smart I, guy. <laughs> well, but I think part of it too is you go back to where you know. So the only thing better than a good example is a cautionary tale. Yes, and I've just seen a lot of them. Like I've seen, I've seen my dad. He had he was a small business owner. He had a partner. It worked out really well because I mean they were friends since high school. Mm. Uh, they had differing they had differing skill sets and interests, things like that. Um, but I've seen enough people get taken for it or things where it just doesn't even work out. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's no different than if like, let's say for example, you're, you're hiring somebody in a company and they don't work out. I mean, they have to, they have to, the culture has to mix well. Um, everybody has to have their own lanes. They have to, you know, be able to talk to each other about the same thing. They have mm-hmm. to trust each other's decisions. Yeah. And I think in that, in that nature, it's like, I've seen areas where, um, and it's not totally the same, but it's analogous. Like where if you hire somebody based on their talent, mm-hmm. or you pick a partner based on their talent, I think it could, it could crash and burn really easily. Oh, I think the yeah. biggest thing, the biggest thing that I always learned was when you're hiring somebody, you want to hire somebody first based on culture. Like, do they fit the culture of your company? Mm-hmm. Hire, if you're picking a partner, do they fit your culture? And they should ask the same thing. You know, if I'm sitting here and I'm just like, like the guys that did ID software, I, I know I'm talking about them a lot, but it's just really interesting. They're like, yeah, we, 
you know, we wouldn't get up until noon every day, but be working until two in the morning, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's like, you know, we may start working on, on the software at two in the afternoon. And like, if you have somebody that gets up at eight in the morning and they expect like every, everything to just go, 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 then that partnership's not going to last very well. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if somebody says, okay, I really want to get us, I want to turn this business into a publicly traded company within 10 years or five years. And you have other people that just are, you know, they're, they're dragging their feet. It's just not going to work. So, you know, beyond the fact that you have somebody that steals from you, you know, that's one thing, but also at the same time, it's like, you want to, you want to have people that are, I mean, ideally you want to have a partner that doesn't want anything to do with what you do well and vice versa. Mm -hmm. So if I did pick a partner for my business, like I would, it would have to be somebody like, I don't know, it would, it would be somebody that was more on the technical side because I can do the technical side, but I'd rather not do the technical side. Yeah. Um, you know, than somebody that, you know, if somebody was more of the management type or the sales type or the marketing type, it's just not yeah. going to work well because we're both going to be butting heads. This is what I want to do over marketing. This is what you want to do for marketing. I think your copy sucks. This <laughs> logo is terrible. And you're fighting over the same, you're fighting over the same kind of yeah. ecosystem. Yeah. But if this person says, look, okay, I'm going to handle all the web, web design. I'm going to handle all the social media. I'm going to handle all the videography or whatever it is. And it's like, good. I don't want anything to do with it. You do what mm-hmm. you do, but you do what you do well. And, yeah. um, and then you really don't have to worry then, then you know, have to worry about that as much. And so um, I, you know, I think that part's really important because the one thing that I was, and part of the reason why I never picked a partner was one, I've just been very picky about it. I'm not opposed to it, but I'd just be very, very picky about it. But two, it's one of those things. It's kind of like dynamite. It can either blow a hole and create a tunnel for a train, <laughs> and get you to do, get you to do something that you couldn't do otherwise, mm-hmm. or it can blow your, blow your hand off. Oh, Absolutely. Smithereens, you know, and, my friend, smithereens. And so, and so there's a lot of people that say, I want to start my business and I want to ramp it up and I want to pick a partner. And, you know, I can't, I can do this twice as fast or three times as fast if I get a partner. Yeah. It's like, it's the same reason why I always said, and we're going to get a little personal here, but same reason I always said, like for a while, I was like, I don't really care if I ever get married. And I had like this really, I had this, what I called a veto list of things that like, if I ever saw a girl, I would immediately break up with her. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I was, I was sharing it with my friends. And one of my friends said to me, he goes, dude, you're going to die old and alone. Yeah. And I was like, you yeah, had well, deal breakers. Re- you had deal breakers. I did. Oh, they were, they were absolute no question deal breakers. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them were important. Some of them were kind of stupid, but they were important mm-hmm. to me. Um, but I was like, I'd much rather be by myself, do my own thing and not never get married than to marry the wrong person. Oh, like yeah. you said, a day could seem like a year, a year, trust me, I get a century, I get a century. <laughs> and so, you know, you, I'd much rather do things my way. And if I have somebody that comes in as a, as a total add on, you know, as a partner or mm-hmm. as a wife or whatever it is, then by all means, it's great. But it's like, I'm spending, I, you know, when, before I got married, I spent most of my time not saying, Hey, does this girl, is, is this girl worth dating? Should I date? You know, this is great you know, let's try to find all the good in her. I was, yeah. I spent probably the first 10 dates if I had it with a girl and they were all vetting. I, they were all had right. intentions and I was trying right. to get her to screw up. <laughs> right. You know what, Matt? I, I, not, I, I, I want to hear more about 
you know, pretend relationships. But let me just say that everything you said is directly applicable to choosing a partner in business. Well, the deal breakers, and- the deal breakers, except, you know, the, the, the well, vetting, all of that, I, man. I had a friend of mine one time, one of my old roommates, a good friend of mine still. And he said, I always remember he said this. He goes, he goes, he goes, you could take the hottest girl and it doesn't matter who she is. There's somebody in the world that's the hottest partner. Just the, the hottest girl. You go, oh my gosh, that girl's gorgeous or whatever. He goes, somebody, somewhere, somewhere in the world, someone's sick of her crap. So like, she's not like, there's, there's a part of her that you don't want to have. And so if you, if you guys ever want to watch a video that really explains this better mm. than I could ever do it, there's a video on YouTube called oh, the crazy God. hot matrix. Okay. These guys are very much math guys. And it's like a chart <laughs> where like one, the X axis is hot. And the Y axis is crazy. Geeks, nerds. Yeah, well, and the Y axis is crazy. And so they map out like zones in here and they all Mm -hmm. have descriptions. And it's exactly what I'm talking about. So my whole point was like, I spent a lot of time in my life trying to, you know, I built a really good life. I'm really happy with it. And it's really easy for some girl to just take it down. Mm -hmm. For a partner, I took the same approach. It's like, Mm -hmm. you know what? I have a great business idea, it's moving in the right direction. Mm you know, you pick a partner and it could completely undermine everything you do. And so right, Matt. you want to, so, you want to take the approach of looking at somebody, not saying, are they going to be a right partner, but how could they deep six your business? Absolutely. And, it's and called a prenup. Them, well, and if you take, and we're going to get into that a second. So if you take them through a vetting process yourself and just, you get to a point where you realize I've tried to find every reason in the world not to be a partner with this person. And I just can't. Then it's like, all right, then can then you want to consider it. But then you get to a point, we're going to talk about the, the prenup. And one of the one of my um, financial advisors, one of the things that they said, and this is not a stock guy, but actually like a legit finance person. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things they said is if you ever start a business <clears throat> and you you know you drop contracts, I definitely agree with the 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 um, the C Corp thing that you had. I definitely mm-hmm. agree with that hundred percent is you want to have what's called a Texas shotgun agreement. <laughs> you know, have you ever heard of that? No, but if, it's, right, if so, it's from Texas, it's got to be good, right? And if you mix shotgun in it, it's got to be good. <laughs> so the idea is anybody can leave the business at any time. Mm. But what happens is it's like the old, it's like the old, there's an old Brady Bunch episode where they're like, I want the sandwich. You know, I want the bigger half. And they basically say, okay, one person gets to cut it in half and then the other yeah. person picks which side they get nice yes and so the idea is let's say that let's say that you or i were in a partnership and you're like matt i'm sick of your i'm sick of your stupid jokes whatever i'm getting out of here this is horrible then you could decide you're gonna leave but i get to name i get to tell you how much the stock is worth okay and so the idea is let's say that we let's say that for whatever reason, we agreed prior to any of this happening that the stock was worth a hundred bucks a share. Mm-hmm. Then you could say, Matt, I'm out of here. Deuces out. I'm out of here. You suck, whatever it is. And I said, okay, well, you can leave by all means. You can take your 50% share, but they're worth- <laughs> Stock's worth a nickel. <laughs> st- no, the other way around. The oh. stock's worth, because you have to buy me out. Oh, I have to buy then you out. Here, yeah. So then I okay. can say, well, you, I, the, I, the stock right now is worth 300 a share. 
Right. And you basically either have to swallow hard and to pay that exit fee, mm-hmm. or you go, eh, just kidding. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so and come does- in the next day and, uh, and instead of smiling at each other, uh, we've got these grimaces that like, oh, you. So what it you does know, is it makes that's it gonna be real good hard. for the company. It makes it very hard for the partnership to break up without one person just it, it has to be so, like Matt has to be so unbearable. I'll pay four hundred a share to get out <laughs> to get out of him. But Which begs the question, it, Matt. It begs the question if the company starts to starts you know at this level curve, kind of a flat curve, and then it starts zooming up, okay. All right. At some point, you know, uh, you could you could manipulate the other person into uh, into leaving. Okay, And uh, by being an asshole, which you've just admitted that you definitely could be at some point if you wanted to be which anybody could. And uh, then then designate that the stock is worth four hundred thousand dollars a share, which it might be one day. And then I would have to make a decision that I wouldn't leave the company, but I would sabotage you at every moment. <laughs> you know, what I'm saying here is look, right, but what there's that three, does is it also takes your, here. if you sabotage, and I'll give you an example of that happening too. So mm-hmm. you could sabotage it and say, all right, we're just going to, I'm going to take the whole thing down, right? Mm-hmm. We're just going to jump in the water. Burn it down, a, burn it down. We're going to have a swimming competition and who can survive, who can tread water the longest, right? <laughs> and you could do that. But what happens is you end up taking your own equity down. But I'll give you an example where something where that actually happened is, and it kind of mixed the marriage and the business, ironically. The guy who used to own the Padres um, before our current ownership was this guy named John Moores. Mm-hmm. And he's he basically is a tech guy out of Texas. Um and like he owned a software think, company. He did, yeah. And the and um, the the even the cancer center at UCSD uh, UCSD here in town is named after yes. him. You got a building yes. named after him and everything. Mm-hmm. Sure. And so he owned the Padres. Yeah. Well, then he was getting a divorce, and so it got really really nasty. And so what he did was <laughs> it was like straight out of major league. Yeah. He basically, just sold all the got all the players off stopped investing in the team stopped investing in the stadium didn't really do anything and he was trying to drive the value of the padres down so mm. that when the divorce came and he had to give half of the padres it was at this um, unnaturally low valuation right and then as soon as he got divorced he <clears throat> got a whole bunch of free agents you know started investing and then as soon as it went up he sold the team so yeah. it could happen that way, but what happens is it's like unless that person can do that out of spite, but every everything they're doing to drive the valuation down drives their equity down. So if you have a partner that's, let's say, we're assuming they're a 50-50 partner, mm. let's say that you have a minority partner, um, you know, then it's a little bit different because they could sit here and sabotage it, but they don't really lose as much, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that point, it's really if the other person says, okay, this, the 10% partner comes in and says, I want to leave. And the majority partners say, well, we get to name the stock price. Let's just get him out. It's 10%. Yeah. Give him yeah. something easy. We'll get him out. But if you have right. somebody that's a 50-50 and yeah. one partner says, I need you to help run this company. And you're like, I hate you. Mm-hmm. Then it's like, you're going to make it worth my while to leave. Yeah. And so, or, 
so I would recommend uh, to our listeners out there, if you're going to have a partnership, make it 51-50. Make yourself 51% and make your crazy? partner 50%. So if you have a little bit of leverage there, you know. Uh, I don't your, think you can do fit. I don't think you can do 51-50. The math doesn't really work, but I will well, that's tell you crazy. this. Crazy. You're, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. Okay, 51 50. You can drive them 51-50. <laughs> Those that aren't familiar with that, there's an old Van Halen album called 51-50. Yeah. The California ra- police radio code yes. for an insane person. Well, danger to self or others, actually. Yeah, well, yeah, but they're calling for an ambulance and yes, they're taking the, him to the psych ward. Is basically they're taking him to the, to, the, to the hospital, yes, somewhere. Right. So, so yeah, I didn't, you can do 51 yeah, 5150 50. doesn't work percentage-wise, but 5149 does. And um, so if you're going to have a partner, and listen, people listening, if you need somebody to do your website or some geeky stuff, and you don't feel like you can you can get your business going without it. Don't don't get a partner to do that. Hire somebody on Fiverr or one of these uh, you know contract for hire type uh, websites or 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 pay somebody. You know, go out and borrow money from your mom. Pay pay them to do it. Don't make them a never partner. ever 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 trade equity for something that you can hire out absolutely ever 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 Ever. man that might be that might be the best point that we've made this entire episode (laughs) because there's people that go man i really need a website developer man that person's really amazing i'll give you 30 percent of my company or 40 percent of my company if you come on and do that no 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 no. Mm. they have Mm. to share if you're going to bring equity they have to share a passion for the company a vision for the company um they're they're going to be complimentary resources they're going to be exclusionary so if you have somebody who's a software developer or um something like that you know don't give them if you're not going to give them 30 percent of the company unless you are the sole product for them because if all of a sudden they're working on three or four other products mm-hmm. and they're working on your product and you just gave them 30 percent of the company i mean that's stupid you could hire somebody and give them zero percent you know and it's it's yeah. interesting because you go back to the facebook thing and i don't know whether it was real or not but in the movie he said, okay, I, you know, I'm going to be the CEO. I'm going to get, what is it? 60 or 70%. Uh, Edward Saverin's the, the CFO, he's getting 30. And then he mm-hmm. said, these guys, he goes, you'll get paid based on what you produce. Mm. Like one guy got 10% and the other one's got like, you know, you got your, your compensation will be yeah. based on what you do. And I think yeah. that's important. And if you get somebody who's amazing, who's a great cultural fit, who says, look, I don't want to, you know, I only want to work here. I want to be involved in this company. I love the vision. I want to drive it forward. These are some ideas on what I can do to mm-hmm. forward. Then, okay, maybe you want to talk equity because they're, they're, I mean, you're getting married to them, but it's like, you're not going to get, you're not going to sit here and say, I want to get married to this one girl. And then she gets to date all these other guys. Like, <laughs> really? If I mean, if they're going to be like, that's called polyamory. I think that's called polyamory, but maybe. But, so, or an open marriage or something like that. Yeah. But, but even but somebody might say, well, Steve Jobs, you know, hired Wozniak and Wozniak was a tech guy. You're right. I mean, if all he did was to put together circuit boards, then I don't think Steve Jobs should have gave him that. But that's not the case. They had a good working relationship. They had a good vision for what they wanted in the future. Well, they had different here's the paths thing. to get there. Since I was around when that happened, you know, and, and was actually in the computer business, 
shortly after that happened, that that relationship that became a partnership and the partnership became the Apple II or the Apple One or whatever. Let me just say this. The reason they were partners is they, they could not do what they needed to do without each other. They had to have each other. They had to. There was no, I'm going to go hire a guy to do circuit boards or because nobody knew how to do that. Only Steve Wozniak knew how to build the first Apple. Only him. Nobody and else his, in the world could do and it. His skill set at doing it was, if you remember, he just wasn't some hack hardware guy. He's a genius. He, he won awards like invention awards at Stanford. I mean, he or he Berkeley, I think it was Berkeley. was he, a genius. He was the absolute best hands down. I mean, you could have hired anybody else and they would, would have not, they would have paled in no. comparison to him. You can't hire people to do what, what Steve Wozniak did. You can't hire them because right. they don't know how to do it. He only, he knew how to do it and he had to discover that. Now, the other side of that partnership, uh, Steve Jobs, could anybody have done what Steve Jobs did with Steve Wozniak? Um, Probably not. It would, it would have been the Pepsi guy. It would have been- No, 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 not at that point. It was no, a startup. I'm not, no, it I'm, was not, a start I'm not saying him, but it would have yeah. been the result of, the effect would have been the same. You would have had yeah. an okay product. You have a new computer. You would have had the next, like the same type of yeah. thing that people were producing. It wasn't really all that yeah. great. Yeah. But but it goes, you know, kind of what? an example that 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 I saw in that video game documentary, and they were talking about the ID software. Mm. They said that everything back then was eight bit. Mm -hmm. So Nintendo was eight bit, and you could do you could do a lot of stuff. But like these guys wanted to do wanted they were thinking of this like shooting game, and it was all you know, two-dimensional. He's like, well, I want to do three-dimensional. Mm -hmm. Well, how do you do it? And and it's funny because they were just like figuring out. And then the next morning they came in and on the guy's computer, he left a little three and a half inch hard, a little, a little three and a half inch floppy or whatever. They weren't really floppy disks, but, and it said, basically yeah. <laughs> the hint on it was check this out. And he went in. Right. And there was, a, it was, three-dimensional like you were able to do things yes. they didn't do before right and so then he they, what they did is they took they wanted they one of the things on if you remember back nintendo had their game boy yes and it was all tetris and two-dimensional stuff and he's like i wonder if we could do this on a game boy and so they hacked the game boy they took all they took they they, they cracked yeah. it open yeah and they ended up putting their own chip in there that enabled them to make three-dimensional games and so they called nintendo up and basically said hey we want to talk about doing it and, and they had a meeting with them and they said well you know nobody can do you can't do it it's eight bit mm -hmm. you can't do three-dimensional mm -hmm. on eight bit mm -hmm. and they handed him the game boy that they had basically hacked and jury rigged and there was a three-dimensional <laughs> game and all of a sudden the engineers at nintendo were just like what and the first thing what did they do they hired him on the spot <laughs> they well, were the only yeah. americans yeah. working in nintendo this was in tokyo Right, right, right. So the idea is if you're going to have somebody who's going to be a partner that has a skill set, they have to be do, doing something that no one else is doing. You're irreplaceable. Like you can't yeah. go out and, and the next best guy is anywhere near them. Right. So to your so, point, Woz, there wasn't a, another Wozniak. Right. So um, we, we, we've, we've, we're uh, uh, one and a half hours speaking of, uh, you know, uh, a lot of things. We're one and a half hours into this podcast now. I would just like to say, 
two stories, okay? One, two very small, short stories. One is there was a guy at one time that had Apple stock, not Steve Wozniak. He sold a lot of his, but it, it's gone up such, such that if he even kept any of it, he's, he's still a billionaire today. But there was a guy at the beginning of Apple who had stock. He sold it. And I think he got like $10,000 for it. And that stock today was worth about $10 billion, Okay. And people are always, people often mention him and say, how do you feel when, you know, you sold your stock for $10,000 and now it's worth $10 billion. How do you feel about that? And he goes, well, how the freaking, you think I, I feel think about I feel. it, <laughs> dumbass? Anyway, so. Like, what kind he, of reaction do you really think? You're come on. Get other than now, that? so I, I would just say that's a cautionary tale. Okay, um, here's another one. Here's another short story. When Facebook was putting together their corporate campus, okay, you don't even call it a headquarters, it's so huge, they call it a campus, okay. Zucky, Zuckerberg wanted to put some really cool paintings on the wall of the campus, of the headquarters area, corporate area. And so he got hold, somebody got hold of this artist, artiste, who was really kind of cool and famous for that, okay? And, and he said, hey, listen, man, I, I, I would charge you like 200,000 to do that. Two, 200, maybe 300,000 to do those, to do that art decorating thing that I do. And Zuckerberg says, well, you know, man, it's like, we would like to have you here and we'd like to have your paintings here. We think that would be a good thing for you and us. Why don't we just give you some stock? <laughs> and the guy, much to his credit today said, okay, I'll take the stock. And what is he worth today? <laughs> He's Way worth more. about, about, uh, well, at the time, I think he sold some of it. I don't know if he hung on to it, but he was worth about 700, 500 million, 600 million for the paintings he was going to charge $200,000 for. Anyway, two cautionary tales there to our listening audience. Don't be the guy that sold Apple for 10000 or the guy that paid uh, for a pizza with three Bitcoins, Okay. Don't be that oh, guy. Oh, dear God. That's horrible. Yeah, that's a true story. True story. He bought a pizza with three Bitcoins, but B Bitcoins at that time were only $10. So he bought $30 worth of pizza with a bit, three Bitcoins. Now, um, and don't be the guy that sold Apple stock for $10,000, which, by the way, Wozniak sold a shitload of his stock at one point. Remember, Apple was really down in the dumps at one point. And he wanted, Steve wanted to go off and become a teacher, teach at seventh graders for some reason. Didn't want to be a part of the corporate world anymore. Never really wanted to in the first place, but he kept enough. <laughs> Steve, like I said, was a genius. He kept enough of the stock. He's probably worth several billion today, but he probably would be worth hundreds of billions if he had hung on to it. Cautionary tale out there, my friends. I hope you guys got, that you're listening, guys and gals out there that are listening, got something out of this podcast today. I know we've been a little bit of rambling. We've done a little bit of rambling and we've had some fun. 
And we've done what we always do, which is have an interesting conversation about the subject. It is not a webinar, folks. We're not here to teach you about partnerships. We're here to talk about it and hopefully you gain some insights, okay? If you wanna learn about partnerships, you can go to the law library or you could go to the closest library and there's probably, you know, 15 to 100 books there on business and partnerships. That's not what this podcast is here to do to teach you. It's to give you some insights to get you to think for yourself, okay? To be a catalyst, okay? To help you ask yourself the questions you need to ask yourself. And if you want more specific help, if you want us to hold your hand through this incredible uh, swamp or jungle of business and partnerships, send us an email, get in touch with us. Tell us what your situation is and we can give you some specific advice. This is not specific advice. This is, inf this is to prompt you to give you the insights that you need to then do the research and to then move forward with uh, the best possible scenario you can create for yourself. How do you feel about that, Matt? Um, good, and I just wanna be very clear, when we say catalyst, we are not talking about a rancher. So when we're, we definitely wanna be a catalyst. We don't wanna be that kind of <laughs> And you joke, and you turn it into a joke. <laughs> I do, but I would say this, is that having a partner is a really important thing if you're going to scale your business, because you want to have, there's only so many hours of the day you have, and really you have skills, you have things you do well, but there's things mm -hmm. you don't do well that the business will need. So mm -hmm. just being the steward of the business, if you suck with money or marketing or whatever it is, then that business is going to need that at some point, And you're mm -hmm. going to be the thing keeping it from growing. So it is an important thing to have it, but the, the area that you really have to, I would say the one thing that you really have to do is just be very careful. Don't focus on trying to find the right partner. It's better to try to avoid the wrong partner. Because if you have a business mm. and it's viable and people, you know, you know, it's valuable, it's moving in the right direction, you're going to have people that want to jump on board. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody wants to jump on the bandwagon, mm -hmm. but you want to have a guide on what you want to have, um, you know, what you're looking for and what you want to avoid. And you don't want to do it in the moment. You want to have mm -hmm. um, due diligence. You know, well, and they always say the best time to get water is not when you're in the desert. It's before you leave. <laughs> and so you want to get a sense on what are some things that you don't want? Like, yeah, if you're the person that gets up at six in the morning every day, then you don't want somebody that shows up at 10. Right. If you have somebody that is, you know, if you're if you love cracking jokes and the person's just dry or they're easily offended, it can or, work. Or it can still work. But you want to I mean, there's going to be somebody better out there, but you want to be very particular and looking at you want to understand what your weaknesses are. What is this business going to need that you don't mm -hmm. do well? So mm -hmm. maybe you don't maybe you don't like, you know, programming or, or marketing or any of the things like that. Um, you want to find somebody that does. Maybe you are the marketing guy. Maybe you are the salesperson, but you're not the person that um, can attract investors. Mm -hmm. I mean, honestly, that's a big part. If you can get somebody that's able to attract investors, they're worth their they're worth their their weight in gold as far as equity goes. They might be. They're gonna. But anyway, the whole point is you want to be very careful. Draw out a list of what you want or looking for, but more importantly, look for things that you're trying to avoid. 
And what happens is you're going to find them. You're going to immediately start to identify when you meet somebody, does this person kind of meet the profile of what I'm looking for and what I'm looking to avoid? Right. And if you do that, obviously, you know, you have the ability to scale your business faster, but more than anything, you really want to avoid at all costs is having this business that you love, you pour your heart, mind, soul, energy, everything into it. Mm -hmm. And then you have somebody that either steals your money, (laughs) undermines you to your point. And I think you brought that up before. And I think it was a really good point or somebody that just, you know, you're challenging each other every day and, you know, you're kind of getting into verbal or physical, hopefully not physical fights, you know, all the time (laughs) and it's hurting the business, you know, and and I'll just, I guess I'll close with one last thing and it doesn't have to do necessarily with the business, but it was an example of what partners don't work, work on. When I was in high school, I had to get braces. Mm. So I had a guy who was an orthodontist. And then when I went to college, my college was like 1500 miles away. And so I, have an, I had to have an orthodontist there. Well, they had completely different visions for what my teeth were supposed to look like. And so you had orthodontist A would do this one thing. And then I would go down to orthodontist B in Miami. And he's like, I remember him saying this. He's like, I don't know what this guy's thinking. And so he would correct it. Mm. And then I'd go back home and then he would correct it. Mm. And this went back and forth to a point where I, I was sitting in the chair and I heard them on the phone screaming at each other. <laughs> And I will tell you, being in a place where somebody's messing with your teeth, I don't want somebody angry. And so no. the idea is that like, it took me four years to finish what should have been two because you had people that just had different visions and they were butting heads all the time. Mm. They were at loggerheads or loggerheads, whatever, beer heads or whatever. <laughs> we circled they around were, back to that, Matt. We, we, we circled cir- around cir- back to it. circle back to that. <laughs> but the idea is that partners can be a really good thing. Going back to what I first said, they can either be dynamite and they could blow right. a hole through a mountain and get you, you know, get, get you to do something you couldn't do otherwise, or they could destroy your business. So you want to be right. very careful about it. Right. Um, build in an exit strategy that makes sense. Yes. So we, I, my favorite one is the Texas shotgun one. You can Google that if you want to look at that. Uh, mm. Um Al talked about the 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 formation strategy. I definitely think. A C, a C corp makes most sense because it's, it's easier to quantify things and it's, you know, it's just a lot more official in that regard. Oh, of course. Um, but in the end, it's, you know, it's, it's a chance to ex- accentuate your business and accentuate your life and to improve your finances, or it's a chance to blow it up. So be very careful. Yes. Um, you may, you may, you know, somebody may say, well, I got married, divorced, married, divorced. I can get married, divorced again. My brother, Brian's been married five times. Oh, business, business is only, yeah. But a business generally <laughs> is not going to survive a divorce very well. Yeah. So be very careful, be very judicious. Um, if you have any questions from us, definitely reach out to us. Our contact information is in the show notes. You bet. Um, Anything else before we head out? Yes, yes. I want to say two things. Um, First of all, the one I I consider a very good metaphor for partnerships is that ceiling fan in the video behind you. Uh, I've been fascinated and hypnotized by it. And people may not see this unless they see the YouTube. Yes, the ceiling fan. If I look at it, it spins one way. And if I blink my eye and look at it, it spins the other way. And sometimes it stops spinning and then it spins again. That's the partnership process. Okay, folks, how you look at it, your perspective will determine whether it spins to the left 
or spins to the right, or stops spinning and then spins again. In reality, that ceiling fan is just doing what it does, okay? Yep. But my perception of it is, is dynamic because of other factors. And you want to know in the partnership process, you don't want to leave that unknown. You want to know what the other factors are that are affecting the way you see things. That's the insight I want you to take away from this episode. The rest of it is just fun, okay? Your perspective, your perception is everything, okay? So I want to leave the audience with that. And then I want to say one other thing that if anybody wants to partnership with me in my business, I'm willing to sell 10% for at least $100 million. So get in touch with me if you would like to be a partner with me in my business. And uh, anywhere from $100 million to $10 billion for between 10 and 49%. And that is pretty much what I have to say about that. And that is one heck of a deal, unless your name's Elon Musk about 15 years ago. <laughs> you are correct, sir. This has Alrighty. been a fun podcast today. I've enjoyed it. Yeah, listen, and you guys, thank you for joining us today. Um, if you have any questions, if you have any ideas of uh, comments or topics you want us to cover, we'd be happy to do that as well. Yes. Um, again, these is, you can basically listen to this on your favorite podcast platform. Mm -hmm. uh, we are going to be putting some of these up on YouTube. Honestly, I've been, just been lagging on that. I can't, there's no other reason other than straight up lag uh, for me, but we'll be starting to put these on YouTube. So if you're listening to these right now, go ahead and check our YouTube channel and you'll start to see some of our back episodes start to show up. So let me ask you real quick, Matt, can you edit my image on YouTube? So I'm wearing a nice Brooks Brothers suit because I haven't really been uh, dressing up for this. I don't have that filter, but I do know there's a filter where you can be a cat because I saw that on the news. Well, I'm going to do that next time. I'm not going to be a cat. I'm going to be a Doberman or a pit bull or something. Can I do that? Right. Yeah, I need to find that filter. That All would right, be really let's fun. do that. Or how about this? I could be a filter where I could be you and then you could have a me filter and then we just mess with people. I'm not going there. We don't have that kind of partnership, okay? No, and it works better for me than for you, so. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, no, All right, that. so that. <laughs> With that being said, my name is Matt. And I am Al. And we will see you guys next time. Adios, muchachos. Thank you for joining us today on the Halicean Horn podcast. You've just taken the crucial step to finally take control of where your life is going by joining us on the road to entrepreneurship. The path to your new amazing destiny has only just begun. You're already ahead of 99% of the people around you because you're finally taking control of your life and making the choice to claim your new destiny. We'd love to help you in any way we can along your journey, so take a minute to reach out to us. You'll find our contact information in the show notes. And while you're there, make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you get notified as soon as the newest episode drops. And if you haven't yet subscribed to our YouTube channel, what are you waiting for? Don't wait. Do it now. Can't wait to meet up for our next episode, and we'll see you soon.